Welcome to Manage This, the podcast by project managers for project managers. This is our every other week time to meet up and talk about what matters to you in the diverse and energetic world of project management. Whether you're new to the field or a veteran PM, whether you have questions about becoming certified or want to just hear some real life stories about other folks in your shoes, we're here to help you along the way with ideas and principles that will hit home no matter where you are. I'm your host, Nick Walker, and with me are the brains of the outfit, Andy Crow and Bill Yates. And Andy, we have a guest in the studio today who's in charge of a project that no doubt will make a lot of people envious because he gets to surround himself with others who just want people to play. You know, it's going to be a fun uh, episode today, Nick. I'm looking forward to this. And I always enjoy talking with people on infrastructure projects, too. It mm-hmm. requires a different orientation, a little bit of a different discipline than maybe some of the uh, software projects I've been involved with and some of the other things that require fewer materials. I think it will be fun. So let's introduce him. Brad Jacobs is the senior project manager with Good Management Group. His current project is the Lake Point Sporting Community, on track to be one of the nation's largest and most unique amateur sports destinations. His background is in owner representation, real estate development, construction management, as well as design and engineering. Brad, welcome to Manage This. Uh, Thanks a lot for having me. So Brad, right off the bat, see what I did there? Right off the bat? Okay. (laughs) Tell us about Lake Point Sporting Community. Uh, what, What is it? Well, for those that don't know, Lake Point is a uh, sports-oriented development. It's actually a sports vacation destination. It's geared towards uh, middle school and high school-age athletes that come for tournaments. Uh, It primarily started as baseball, but it's expanded over into uh, there's soccer and there's flag football, and now we have an indoor facility that does uh, basketball and volleyball. Um, So when when they have these tournaments, the the goal is to have people come to stay instead of just coming to a tournament for a short period. It's the goal is to get them to stay. There's entertainment facilities on on site, hotels, restaurants. And so people come and stay for a three or four day tournament rather than just showing up to a field for one single day. Obviously, this is a huge project. How far along is it? Uh, The the master plan of Lake Point is actually about 900 acres. Uh, That's the entire plan development. Right now, we're in the initial phases with the first rollout of the project is what we call the South Campus. It's about 100 acres of of property that we've developed so far. Um, It's all, uh, there's baseball fields. uh, There's about eight baseball fields right now. There is a 180,000 square foot indoor facility. Uh, we've, We've done roads, infrastructure. Um, some entertainment facilities, and that's just the first phase of this project. The next phase is about is going to be about another 800 acres, which we're about ready to undertake. So people can go there now, or is that yes? Lake Point has actually been open for about three years. This is their okay. third season for for baseball. Um, every summer, actually, right about now, they're gearing up to have the baseball tournaments. And when when the baseball tournaments start at Lake Point, it floods the entire area. Uh, thousands of people walk. I mean, I think they have around a million visitors per season so yeah and and we're in the third season so that's about ready to gear up where do you fit in with all of this what's your role well you you said it when when you first started i have multiple titles that are all kind of synonymous it's a a project manager development manager owner representative pretty much all of those things Um, what i have been hired for by lake point as a consultant is to manage all of their construction so if they have the vision uh, that could be on the back of a napkin, we actually bring it to reality. Mm-hmm. So we are hired to work with the owners to develop uh, their idea, hire the architects, hire the engineers, 
and then ultimately hire the contractors and build the project. Brad, how long have you been working on this Lake Point project? I've been on the project for about two and a half years. Okay. It's it was it was a couple months into the project when I when I got on board. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, the first thing that they had to do was build the infrastructure and the roads, and the first set of baseball fields. I joined when they were about a couple months into that. Okay. Uh, into that, and you mentioned there. Um, so you're really trying to to create. The re- bring reality to the vision that a couple of CEOs have. That's a little bit different. So you kind of have, so you have not just one CEO, but two CEOs whose vision you have to implement. That, that's right. I mean, there's, there's two CEOs and there's that, that manage Lake Point as an operation. Uh, but there's a whole nother host of, of people. There's investors and there's partnerships that they have that the owners have that we need to adhere to like uh, perfect game. Baseball is an example. That is a, um, that's a entity that hosts these tournaments. And so they actually lease the property from Lake point. The, and so Lake point was built with them in mind. So there's more than just the CEOs running the project. So how do you know who to listen to? Um, <laughs> it, that's a, a very complicated task that took me about a year to, to understand. Um, there's, there's multiple stakeholders involved. Um, and it, over time, you just you realize that ultimately you report to Lake Point. They're the ones who hired us, right? right. So um, that's who you ultimately report to. And, and whenever you need to, you can just you have to associate with the other groups. You know, Brad, talking about this idea of multiple groups of stakeholders, and um, I've never actually seen dual CEOs truly work. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that doesn't require any comment on anybody's <laughs> part here, but it's just an unusual mm. uh, unusual setup. What, what usually happens is people have the title of CEO with the role of something else, mm. you know, and they're going to they're gonna fall into a different way because it's, it's like having two project managers. Uh, mm. you, you really don't want that. It becomes counterproductive at some point. This whole idea of multiple groups of stakeholders, how do you identify them? Uh, tell me about that process of, of figuring out who the stakeholders are, um, which ones uh, weigh more than others, uh, you know, in terms of their opinions and so forth. Yeah, I, that's, that's a good point. Having the co-CEOs, it's, um, it's funny seeing all the contracts because there's two signature lines on every single uh, contract, which is right. pretty funny. And the co-CEOs have different personalities, and so they fill each other's gaps. It, it, it works nicely in this regard because I think one of the CEOs is, is always the forward-thinking person the one who's dreaming about the projects in the far future. I'm talking five, 10 years into the future. And the other one is more based on where we are right now. So, um, it, they work well together, but identifying the stakeholders, it just took time. I mean, you know, with any project, it takes a while to get the lay of the land and realize, uh, you know, who, who has a voice at the table. Um, again, you know who your direct reports are. They are the CEOs and the investors of the project. That's the ones who you report to. Everybody else contributes to the overall project. Mm-hmm. There's one of the things that I think about with that as you're trying to manage these different stakeholders is <coughs> this property is so big. And, you know, as you're describing it, you said this is really a, a, a destination. So families will come here and one child will be playing in a tournament while the other ones have to be entertained and fed mm-hmm. and have a place to sleep and all that. So there are hotels that are there. There are restaurants. There, uh, I remember driving the property and seeing these parcels that are set aside for for different companies, mm-hmm. hotel companies or restaurants, et cetera, uh, that are going to be building. So how do you, I, you know, sometimes I've heard you use the word buffer or referee. If I think about, okay, if my interest, if I'm going to build a hotel there, 
And then you have two CEOs that I know have your ear. Mm-hmm. And then you have perfect game baseball. But I'm this hotel, and this is my property. I want to make sure I have proper parking and, and those kind of things. So how do you manage all these different interests? Yeah, I mean, so Lake Point is actually what's considered to be the master developer in any in real estate projects. There's typically a master developer who, who then uh, intentionally develops out parcels and things to sell off. Mm-hmm. And in this case... Lake Point has master developed the overall property and then sells off the out parcels. But then each out parcel user has to report to or adhere to certain guidelines, okay. uh, master covenants is which they're actually called, but they have to adhere to those guidelines. And so Lake Point has the ultimate say on, on what kind of signs you put up, uh, what kind of, um, you know, what kind of font you can use, so on and so forth. And it's a challenge because, you know, a hotel will come on and say, well, we, we like this font. But, but Lake Point says, no, you have to use this font. And so (laughs) these are the kind of, um, the things that you need to manage. And that's really what my role is as, as the project manager. So you're the guy having to say to Marriott, Hey, I may not make, yeah, (laughs) I may not make the final ruling because I'm not the owner of the project. I'm not the investor of the project, but I'm the one who, who am the soundboard and the one who brings all the information in and disseminates the information. If you would, can, kind of walk us through maybe, maybe one portion of the project, like a, a ball field or something. Yeah. How how did we get from uh, start to finish? I'd be curious. Yeah, that's that's the cool thing about Lake Point. Um, we literally had to move mountains to wow. create this project. It's in North Georgia. It's in I, I don't think I even mentioned it. it's in the closest cities in Cartersville. Uh, it's in, actually in Emerson, Georgia, which is at the foothills of the mountains. And so uh, to get to where they are today, you would never believe it. But it used to, it was um, it was open territories, green space. And it used to be an old mining area. And so to get to what you see today, they actually had to move around 5 million cubic yards of dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did the math before this thing. That equates to 375,000 dump trucks of dirt that they oh, had to move. Wow. <laughs> and so that was just the mass grading operation. And then we, then we had to build roads and infrastructure to support all of this, you know, sewers and, um, sewers and water, storm drainage. All that is actually owned by the city. So we built that on behalf of the city. And then after we had the land cleared and the infrastructure put in, then we could actually build the baseball fields. And so it's it's been a step-by-step process. But usually in the construction project, you have the mass grading and the infrastructure and then the actual vertical construction. So in this case, it was baseball fields. But they're beautiful baseball fields. If you haven't been there, they rival pretty much any college, you know, I wouldn't say pro because there's no, the stadiums aren't as big, but they're beautiful nice. backdrop of a mountains in the background and the and wooded areas. But yeah, that's what we've done. Um, we, we built the baseball fields and now we're moving on to, uh, we also built a 180,000 square foot indoor facility and, uh, we have more to go on the North campus. Once we get there, there'll be more of the same, more entertainment, more hotels, uh, golf courses, things like that. So a lot to go. You can have to move any more mountains. Yeah. Even more, <laughs> even more. Uh, um, the next thing we're going to have to do on this particular project, the, the 800 acres on the North campus is actually, there, there's nothing up there. And so we have to build a road again and we have to build a bridge and, and another mile and a half road to a mile and a half long road to get the North campus opened up for development. And that there's more mountains. Yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> Brad, I've got a question for you. I've, I've heard you say before that the PM really functions kind of like the hub of a wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, can you, uh, extend that metaphor out maybe for us a little bit or tell us what you were thinking? Sure. I, I like to ride bikes, so that kind of that <laughs> helps. Um, <clears throat> but 
Yeah, so I, I call myself the hub of the wheel, which is the center of the wheel and the spokes feed outward. Um, I used to be a, a structural engineer by education and by early, by early career. And I soon learned that it, I didn't really want to be an expert at one particular thing. I say all your SMEs and all your vendors are the different spokes of the wheel that comprise the whole project. The hub's the middle. I quickly realized I wasn't going to be an expert at one particular thing. I was, I was better overseeing a little bit of everything. And so I call myself the hub of the wheel. Every, all the information comes in. It needs to go out to get to the, to get to the right people. So that's how I relate to a bicycle wheel. This whole idea of, uh, of coordinating things. I went to uh, Cirque du Soleil not long ago and got to see a juggler at work. And I thought, yeah, that, it can definitely <laughs> feel like that as well. Like you have 25 <laughs> things going at once. And it was pretty impressive. So I, I like that idea that you're the hub and that all the spokes are are kind of revolving around they uh, none of them are are any use without the other yeah and you know I, like i said before I, I quickly realized that i wasn't going to be an expert in one particular area and i think people to the listeners that are early on in their career you, you can make that decision am i going to be an expert and focus on one particular thing for the rest of my for the rest of my life mm-hmm. or am i better well suited towards you know just knowing a little bit about a lot of different things right but i, I would venture a guess that your background as a structural engineer has come in uh, very helpful in this project. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. I think that having the engineering background allows me to understand the plans. I can open up a set of construction documents and understand the structural components, the mechanical components, the plumbing components. And you really, as a project manager, you don't need to know everything about everything, but you need to have a pretty good understanding of basically everything in the in those set of documents. I have found that the more domain expertise I have uh, in a particular project, the more I know about what's going on in general, um, not just in a general sense, but specifically, the better off I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've uh, found that's gotten me out of trouble more than once and into trouble uh, one time in particular. So, yeah. That's true. And uh, Brad, I, I, another, in a conversation we've had before, I remember you saying one of the values you think you bring as a project manager as that hub is determining when those spokes, when the SMEs bring in that information to you, you have to make that decision as to what's important for other people to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see that over and over and again. Early in the career of a project manager, it's harder to know. You don't have the background or experience. So you think, well, my job is to let everybody know everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then you you know, you know, clog people's email boxes. You, you provide way too much information, and it bogs things down. So I, I – I really like that idea of bringing value to the uh, project by determining what data is important and for whom. Yeah, and ultimately you report to the owners of the project, and they certainly don't have the time to to get every single little detail. Right. You know, it would just it was just way too because they've got so many other things to think about. They've got operations to think about, uh, they, and, and there's so many other departments. There's so many things that make a construction project work like this in a in a real estate development work, um, and so my my role is a buffer it's to you know f- the information that comes in is to disseminate to the owners what's important and what's not um we i don't it's never really results it ends up very well if the if the owners are are directly communicating with their contractors or directly communicating with all the vendors um we work closely with the city and the county as well their stakeholders as well and so you certainly don't 
want the city and the owners of the project always talking to each other. It's easier to be the buffer in the middle mm. um, and and take on the task of of the day-to-day communications and then report upward only the things that need to be reported upward. That's an important role, that buffer, that mm-hmm. official referee-type role. Um, how did you... How did you learn how to do that? <laughs> um, it, it just, I think that's one of the things that when I made the transition from, from engineering into project management, it wasn't immediate. Yeah. It's just, I, I'm many years into my career now. And, and I think that's just a learned, mm-hmm. um, a learned talent. And, and it's really, uh, it's very important as being a project manager. I mean, it's right. one of the critical roles of a project manager. If there's one thing that I've learned through all these podcasts is that, you know, no two project managers are alike. There, there are no clones here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it sounds like you've been able to use a lot of the, the talents that you, you had before. Uh, I, I'm curious, though, uh, do you ever have to become an instant expert at something? And how does your personality uh, and background play into that? Well, like I said earlier, it went the hub of the wheel. Uh, it, you don't really have to be an expert in one particular category, but you have to trust your SMEs, your subject manager experts, um, We've over the course of, the, of my experience at Lake Point, been there two and a half years, and you've really get, you really get to know the people you work with, your vendors, my geotechnical engineer, my architect, my civil engineer, my contractors, and so when questions are posed to you, there's most of the time I don't have the immediate answer for it. I have to go get it because it's a detailed, specific question, but I can go get it for you, and that's another thing, kind of a lessons learned for for mm-hmm. uh, you know there's there is no such thing as a dumb question, and so if I don't know, don't be afraid to say. I don't know. I'm going to have to get back to you in a little bit. Go to your mm-hmm. subject matter experts, but there's a that you really have to trust the people that to supply those answers. If you you because because you once you get that inf- piece of information, you run with it, and mm-hmm. so it trickles down the line. And if it's incorrect information, it just it, it steamrolls. Mm-hmm. Lessons learned. That, you know, we use that term a lot mm-hmm. around here. What sort of lessons learned pop into your brain when you're thinking about uh, this project overall? Well. Lake Point is doesn't have a prior example. Uh, I don't think there's, <laughs> and and it's easier to have a prior example, right? To to go off of. We've been here about two and a half years, and so every single project that we've undertaken, there's just been a whole host of of, of lessons learned. I, you know, I represent the construction and development, but that's probably true for the legal aspects of the project. That's true for the marketing aspects of the mm-hmm. project. Um, uh, you know, the the finance aspects. This is something that it's like a startup company, and so we're always constantly learning from from things that we did incorrectly the prior time. So uh, as we move on to this project, like I said, we're, geez, it's a quarter of the way done, and so we're going to take all those lessons and roll them into the next phases of the project. You keep getting smarter. You are the prior example for somebody <laughs> yeah, else. Right, right. so, <laughs> yeah, and that can be a little bit self-referencing when you're your own <laughs> prior example. Um, I, I'm curious about something, Brad, just – as you go about this, you're having to lead a lot of things. You're having to lead tasks. You're having to lead uh, initiatives and projects. You're having to lead people. Um, talk to me a little bit about your leadership style. How would you describe your leadership style? I think that's evolved over the over the course of my career too. Um, I, as the project manager, one of my one of my underlying principles is to take charge of the project early, um, you know, to speak up early. You, you have to build respect amongst all the people that are involved in the project. And I find the best way to do that is to make yourself known early. Mm. Um, you know, don't be afraid to, to speak your opinion. If you've got suggested changes, 
uh, if you just sit by idly, you're, you know, it's going to take a long time for, to get that respect back. And so you are the project manager and you have to understand that you have to, you have to take that. You know, a lot of people really struggle with this idea of taking up space too. They feel uncomfortable, uh, speaking up in a meeting. They feel Mm -hmm. uncomfortable just being present and being visible and, for a project manager, we have to work through that if you yeah. have trouble. That's not something I've struggled with particularly, but a lot of people do. <laughs> right. A lot of people come to us and they, they have trouble exerting themselves and showing initiative and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing about being a project manager is sometimes you feel like you're the person that's always nagging because you have to follow <laughs> up all the time. Is this your wife speaking? No, no, no. (laughs) Well, my 17 year old daughter would have something to say about that too. (laughs) So I find myself following up a lot of times with people like every two days. And I'm wondering to myself, should I really send this? And I I am being a nag, but you know what? You're the project manager. Your responsibility is to oversee and monitor the things that people are doing. They adhere to, to deadlines, right? So I think it's a fine line of being a friendly project manager being loose with people, being yourself with people. Mm. And that way, when you do nag them and they do get annoyed, I'm, they know seeing, it's, a, yeah. I'm seeing a new shirt, a t-shirt. I'm not a nag. I'm a PM. That's, right. That's good. Yeah. 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 I think it's my job to nag. Get over it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think that's one good piece of advice is, you know, you said it perfectly. I, I, you really, you really need to establish your role early on in the project. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think when I think of, um, if I were reporting to you, you know, you're the kind of guy who's approachable. You're, um, you can make fun of yourself. You can laugh easily. So I would think those relationships that you build with, whether it's a contractor or a direct report, mm-hmm. uh, those probably work really well for you. You're a, you're a, you're a down to earth, personal kind of a guy. Um, relationships are such a key to success. How do you, if you early on in a relationship, let's say it's with a contractor, mm-hmm. if you detect something that you just know is not right, they're giving you bad data, or they're showing you a schedule that is not, you know, you do a reality check on it and go, okay, this doesn't, no, this is not going to fly. How do you confront that behavior? How do you establish that trust? You know, like I said, it, when you're a project manager, you have to take control of the project. If so, if you see something, if you if there's smoke, there's fire, right? So you yeah. have to call it out. Mm-hmm. Um you can just you have to do so in a way that's not going to erode the erode the relationship. You just have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's been plenty of cases where I've seen a schedule that's not going to make sense, and and you just you have to give it back to them and say this is this isn't going to work. This is why. Again, that's a good that's a reason why it's good to know about your own project. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to know basically not not the details of the project, but you have to know a little bit about everything mm-hmm. so you can understand and you can pick out when a schedule may not be right because a lot of times people will feed you a schedule and you'll say. Yeah, it looks good to me. Yeah. But but it, if you know your project well enough, you'll know that it's not. Brad, something you and I have in common is I'm not afraid anymore uh, to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mind just keeping asking and asking and asking. And I've kind of developed a little bit of a brand of that is somebody will get up and present something complicated. And you know what? Um, uh, let's just break it down until I understand it. It may take a while, but we'll get there. And, and you do, you have to know a little about a lot of things, but that kind of skill set, just in general, about uh, being able to look at a schedule, look at something complicated, and start breaking it down to constituent parts. And you know what? We're, we're smart enough to figure it out if you get it, <laughs> you know, if you get it down to a certain level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've worked on multiple different types of projects in my career. It's another kind of piece of advice for, for many anybody that's early in their career. I went from from retail projects to commercial office buildings to roads to 
way far right into tolling, mm-hmm. um, you know, back to other different types of vertical projects. Now I'm working on a uh, sports oriented development. And a little while ago in my career, I said, man, I've got a very varied background. Is this good? It may be better to work on one particular type of project, but you know what? Now I'm not afraid to work on any type of project that may come, come mm-hmm. my way. Mm-hmm. And so I think having that varied background can be a benefit later in your career. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of listeners here uh, are, are early in their career, like you mentioned. Um, any general advice that you would give these folks? Um, yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things, talking about the different types of projects I've worked on, chase the projects that you really like, that you really enjoy, that you think mm-hmm. are gonna mean something to you. You don't always have that luxury. Sometimes you're forced to work on projects that you may not agree with or, or see, the, see, the ultimate, you know, uh, see the ultimate goal out of, but if you can chase the projects that you really like to work on and to bring out the best in your abilities, and so I think that's one piece of advice. Uh, again, you know, just to, to, to be known early, make yourself known early on in the project. Mm. Have you had uh, a mentor or a coach or maybe even a manager who's made a difference in your career? Yeah, th- there's there's been some that aren't so favorable and there's been others that <laughs> are very favorable. They've still made a difference. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they left, yes, a, left a mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the one I've worked with right now um, at Lake Point for the past two and a half years has been an amazing uh, role model for me. She, you know, a lot more experience than I ever had. and mm-hmm. um, But she's also allowed me to 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 chart my own path, if you, you know, if yeah. you will, um, give me the freedom to do that. So it's important, you know, be, as a project manager, you have to be willing to, to bite off things that, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a project that you may not understand and you have yeah. to, you can't be afraid to tackle those things that you may not fully understand. And any mentor has to, to, to allow their, to allow people they're working with to do that. Otherwise they'll never grow. Right. Mm. That's good. So you feel the stretch, but you also have the support of that, uh, manager or, or yeah. mentor. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, there's, there's been times where I want to reach out and say, hey, can you help me with this? But if I, if I do, then I know sometimes they'll take it on themselves. And so it's that fine line <laughs> of actually, of actually doing it yourself. Sometimes you have yeah. to tell people that kind of give the indication that you know what you're talking about when you really don't. <laughs> Brad, this is a different way of asking a question we've kind of already talked about, but um, I'm curious how you've grown over the over the life of this project as a project manager. How have you developed? Mm-hmm. And really, I want to ask it a specific way. If you could go back and talk to the Brad Jacobs who is starting this project mm-hmm. uh, right at the beginning, what would you tell him? What mm-hmm. advice would you give him? Well, I, I think when, when people first get into projects, they're a little bit uptight. You know, they, they, they're still getting the lay of the land. I think one thing that I've, that's worked out well for me in this project is I've, gotten, I've just been myself more than any other project mm. in the past. And in doing so, I've established better relationships with other vendors. I mean, I don't talk about just about the project. I end up talking to people about their lives, their, their kids, their families, what they're doing, what they've been up to. Mm. And some people consider that small talk, and it may be, but it's really helped me get, get better relationships with those people and, and look forward to working with them. So I think if I would have done that earlier on in the project, it, it would have just been a benefit. Those of us who are sort of task oriented by default, um, and a lot of left brain engineers come from that, uh, from, from that world. A lot of people who are task oriented do view it that way. Mm -hmm. And yet you learn over the course of your career that everything gets done through relationships. So Mm -hmm. I really like that. Yeah. You said before to chase the projects that you love, that are really attractive to you. Uh, obviously, you love this one. Mm-hmm. Is, is this one that anybody would love? I mean, from the outside to say, hey, 
we're, 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 we're sports. This is great. We're going to yeah. have fun. This is this is a wonderful thing. Is that going to be the case for everybody? Definitely not. Every every single real estate project, I had this. I wanted to say this that every single real estate project, development project, has its issues. I'm sure every for you know for every single project that everybody works on is going to have its hiccups. And so from the surface, lay points. Oh, it seems like such a great project, mm. but it's had its road bumps. You know, there again, this is the first time that anybody's done anything like this. And so in the middle of it, it's tough. You know, and, you, and once you get through those and you look at the product on the back end, you realize how much, you know, your hard work has paid off. But it's going to be expected that you're going to have some hiccups during the process. And so you just as a project manager, you have to understand that those are going to those are going to come. Um, Lake Point's definitely a, a very cool project to have been worked on. Yeah, I, I hope to work on it for a long time. But as with any real estate development project, it's it's been a bumpy ride. When you describe those bumps, what were some of those potential bumps or risks that kept you up at night that you were most concerned about? Well, many of the projects are, were very heavily schedule-based. Uh, mm-hmm. Perfect Game, for example, I, I mentioned earlier in the, in the show here that it's a baseball tournament. It's a summer season tournament. Right. And so you have to be done on <laughs> schedule. <laughs> And so I, I, I've said before, but when, when we were finishing those fields, we were literally walking off the back of the fields with brooms as the players were coming onto the fields. <laughs> and, and so that, that's one of the biggest things. <clears throat> uh, you know, with any real estate development project, there's, there's certain risks that are out of your control. So you can only control the ones that you can, but there's, there's so many moving parts in these projects. That's another thing that keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. And, and back to the schedule, I, I wanted to mention that, you know, I certainly feel the the pressure of the, of the of the new Atlanta Falcons football stadium because they're <laughs> that's the same type of deal. It's very yeah. ske- schedule based. You've, you've seen that they've announced a couple of delays. Hopefully, yeah. they'll be able to pick back up. But you can relate to that. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. So, what's still to come now? I mean, uh, what what other projects uh, and and where do we go from here? Well, I work on other projects other than just Lake Point. It's been the one that I've you know, been focused on for the past two and a half years. So, for for me, the future may or may not be Lake Point. Uh, if I have the luxury of working on Lake Point uh, to come, there's another 800 acres uh, on the north side, what we refer to as the north campus. And the next thing the next thing we're going to undertake is a, is a bridge over a railroad. We're going to build a 1.5-mile uh, long road through the north campus, move some more mountains. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, the north campus has, has more baseball fields, baseball stadiums, track, uh, potentially golf. There's going to be some residences for the for the athletes. Um, much much more of what you see right now. So you know that that could last for for years to come. Enough to keep you busy for a while. <laughs> hey, sure. let, let me jump in. I, I want to let our listeners know that they can actually take a look at what goes into building this premier sports vacation destination through a project manager's eyes in detail online. It's a great way to raise your project management game by following Brad's experience with the project play-by-play. See what I did there again? Okay. <laughs> Go to VelociTeach.com and click at the top on Online Courses, then select Project Stories, Lake Points, and you can get a complete view of this project. Brad Jacobs, once again, we thank you for sharing your experience with us. We have a gift for you, this little uh, coffee mug sitting in front of you. Um, I confess we did not move mountains to provide this for you, but, uh, but I, I, th- I think you'll enjoy it anyway. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. You know, we often talk about what we're reading on uh, Manage This here. And, and so I'm curious, Andy, you've been uh, reading anything good lately? 
I, I have, Nick. Um, you know, what I'm reading right now, well, let me back up. What I just finished, uh, I reread the book, The Tao of Objects. That is such an amazing book. It's, um, uh, it's actually a book more for the software uh, side of the brain, uh, mm-hmm. if there's a side of the brain for that. Uh, it's uh, And it really has influenced how I manage and how I think about management. So uh, I'll just leave that out there as a teaser. It's a fantastic book. It's probably 25 years old, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you can still get it. I don't think it's in print anymore, but I think you can still get your hands on it. Uh, but you know what? I'm reading a book right now called Papillon, which you might remember uh, the movie with sure. Steve McQueen. Yeah. This book is absolutely phenomenal, wow. and I can't put it down. So I'm having to—this is the first book in uh, probably two decades that I've had to say, okay, I'm only going to let myself read 60 pages today so I don't finish it. You know, it's that good. So how about that? All right. That's, that's got to go on my list uh, one of these days, too. They? Very convincing. <laughs> well, thanks again. Andy, Brad, Bill, we appreciate your expertise And not only are the online courses a resource to earn those valuable professional development units, you can earn them by listening to this podcast. To claim your free PDUs, go to VelociTeach.com and select Manage This Podcast from the top of the page. Click the button that says Claim PDUs and just click through the steps. That's it for us here on Manage This. We hope you'll tune back in on May 16th for our next podcast. In the meantime, you can visit us at VelociTeach.com slash manage this to subscribe to this podcast, to see a transcript of the show, or to contact us and tweet us at manage underscore this if you have any questions about our podcasts or about project management certifications. We always like hearing from you. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep calm and manage this.